Good morning, friends. Good to be here again. Again, my name is Josh, Joshua Johnson. If you don't know I know who I am, uh, I was youth pastor here, one of the youth pastors from 1998 to 2007. Uh, I currently work for an organization called Youth Frontiers. I go into public and private schools um, all over the country and speak about respect, kindness, and courage. I'm also an interim youth director, so sometimes church bring, churches bring me in to be their fill-in youth pastor while they're searching for somebody else. Um, also, I attend Edina Covenant Church up in the Twin Cities, so uh, the brothers, sisters, and Edina Covenant welcome you this morning. And I brought my daughter Reese along with me as well. So, uh, okay, we're going to start with this. Um, I am a person who loves adventure. I would say I'm a bit of a thrill seeker. Um, this summer, uh, a bunch of us went over to Ohio to a little place called Cedar Point, which is the roller coaster capital of the world. And uh, I had the opportunity this summer to actually hop on one of the tallest roller coasters in the world called the Top Thrill Dragster. This thing is 400 feet tall. Um, to get an idea of how tall that is, if you've ever driven by Valley Fair, the tallest val uh, roller coaster at Valley Fair is 200 feet tall. So just add another 200 feet to that. That's how tall this thing is. Um, anybody in here, raise your hands, a thrill seeker, you like adventure? Yeah, I see the hand back there. Congratulations. Um, but I love adventure. I love exploring. I love new places. And six years ago, I discovered um, what I think is one of the most amazing hobbies ever. And it's a little hobby called geocaching. Has anybody heard of this hobby, geocaching? Raise your hands, please. If that is you, okay, maybe about half of you, not quite. Um, here's what geocaching is. Geocaching is a high-tech treasure hunt where you use GPS technology, either your phone or a handheld GPS, to go and look for treasures that people have hidden all over the world, actually. And they're not so much treasures, they're more like just little boxes that you find. Um, but there are over two million of these little boxes hidden all over the world. There's probably ten within a mile of this church right here. Six million geocachers worldwide. And it's my hobby. I love it. Uh, I've been doing it for six years. I have 3,200 geocache finds in those six years. I know, a little bit fanatical. Um, four years ago, I decided to take a flip camera and start recording my geocache adventures that I would share with people on YouTube. And I put it up on YouTube not thinking, you know, like anybody would be interested in it or whatever. And now I've been doing that for four years later, 300 videos later. I have like 10,000 subscribers, um, 1.5 million views of me going around the world and looking for these little boxes. Okay, if you're still sitting there right now and confused about this, check out this video. This, is, this will introduce geocaching hey everybody, my name is Joshua Johnson, or I'm better known on YouTube as the geocaching vlogger. Geocaching is a high-tech treasure hunt where people use GPS technology to find treasures or caches all over the world. These videos feature unique hides, cool places, and overall geocaching fun. So look around and check out my channel and subscribe to see more of my adventures. Thanks for watching. There, you enjoy that little commercial there? Um, so that's geocaching. I enjoy it. Now the first question that people ask me when they, they're wondering about geocaching, they're like, geocaching? Do you like actually win money? Because if you do, that sounds awesome, okay? And actually, no, you don't win any money. Um, caching is like a, a box or a container. So they're like, well, why do you do it? If there's not like real treasure in it, then why do you go seek it out? And the reason I tell them is because the adventure of seeking out the cash in itself is the treasure for me. 
Um, and here's the thing, guys. Adventure is like built into us. It's built in us as humans. Either we're seeking out adventures of our own or wanting to watch other people on adventures. It's in our movies, right? It's in our television shows, um, our hobbies, our vacations. We, we have this thing within us that where we're seeking out adventure. And I'm really excited that you guys are all on an adventure together. For 52 weeks, you have committed to go through the entire Bible uh, in a year using this tool called the Wayfinding Bible, which many of you guys have. Um, as a matter of fact, the Bible in itself is, is a grand adventure. The story of Scripture is a grand adventure that points us to Jesus. Um, it is a story, a big story, about God, a loving God, reaching out his hand to humanity and desiring connection with those that he created. So uh, let's quickly do a little review. This is like week five of 52, and let's just talk a little bit where we've been just so we can catch you up if, if you haven't been here for those five weeks. Um, it starts off with creation. In the beginning, there's God, and God is a God of love. Uh, and, and, and because love is something that needs to be shared with something else, God created people, humans, in, in, a, in, in his image to share in this love relationship. But then very quickly it goes sour with Adam and Eve deciding that they can do this life without God, taking, uh, taking matters into their own hands, uh, the, the sin of unbelief. Did God really say? And then uh, last week, Pastor Brad talked about the flood. The world has now become so corrupt with sin that people are so far gone that there's no way that they will ever turn back to God. But God, in his grace, finds this man, Noah, a righteous man, and uses him to save all of humanity. And that's, so that brings us to today, where we're going to be talking about Abram, or Abraham. But we're going to be talking about Abram before God decided to change his name. He is the chosen man, the man that God has chosen to begin to bring us back to him, to make things right once again. Uh, Abram, he is a man of adventure. He leaves everything behind in his town of Ur, and he goes to a new land. Now, Abraham, he is God's man, but he's not a perfect man. He's, he's a regular, regular guy. He, he, he goes off on this journey and discovers quickly that there's famine, and he has to move to Egypt. And to stay safe, he lies to Pharaoh and tells him that his wife is, is his half-sister, so they won't kill Abraham. And then, and then there's problems with his family. You see, Abraham brought his nephew Lot, and there's quarreling between Lot's family and a Abraham's family. And then there, there's other people in this land that they, they get into wars with, and Abraham has to save his nephew. So things are not um, as maybe great uh, as Abraham had hoped on this new journey. However, Abraham, he is a man of God, this father of this new nation. This is God's plan to bring humanity back to himself. So, um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through 23. It is also, also up on the screen as well. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so none of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky 
and count the stars if you can. And that's how many descendants you will have. Then Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans and giving you this land as your possession. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Then the Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abraham presented all these to him and killed them. He cut them uh, each animal down in the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut all the birds in halves. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abraham chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came over him. And then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. Almost there. <laughs> After the sun went down and, the, and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day. I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the borders of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. And the land now occupied by the Kenites, Kenizzites, Camanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gershites, and Jebusites. Now I know why Pastor Brad had me preach on this sermon. <laughs> That's a mouthful. All right. So here we have Abraham. He is on a journey. He is on his own treasure hunt. He's on his geocaching journey. Uh, but he doesn't have a GPS guiding him. He has God guiding him. And he is a man on a quest for a great reward. And begs to ask the question, what is this great reward that Abram is seeking? Okay? Um, here in Scripture it says, Do not be afraid, Abram. Right at the beginning, I will protect you, and your reward will be great. The NIV translation is a little bit different. Check this out. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Who is the great reward? It is God. It is God himself is this reward. And, and it begs to ask the question, if God is the great reward, as we find ourselves in this scripture, do we view God as our greatest reward, the number one thing, the most precious thing that we have in our life? We have lots of rewards. We have lots of things, great things we can t- turn to and say, wow, that's a reward. Good jobs, good homes, Families, marriages, happiness, money, leisure. This is all good stuff. These are all great rewards. But here it says that God himself is the treasure. God himself is the great reward. A connection, a loving relationship with God is the most important thing. And this is, again, this is where we find ourselves in this scripture, is is that God is reaching out to Abraham, desiring connection with him, desiring to restore this relationship. It is a love connection. So my question for you and for myself is that do we view our relationship with God as the most important treasure that we have? I'm not sure that Abraham fully understood how big 
these rewards were, these things that, that God was offering him, because there's two levels. They're like the earthly level, right? Uh, Abraham, he's like, okay, um, I need heir. I, I need descendants. I need people to come after me to, for me to be great. And I also need land, all right? And that's sort of like, like the human level. But, but it's so much bigger than that. And I'm not sure at, at this point, Abram actually got how big this was because that heir who would be Isaac would be the beginning of thousands, millions of stars, millions of descendants that would be the seed for the one. The one, Jesus Christ, who would come and by his sacrifice restore this relationship, bring this connection back to his people. It would be through Abraham and this heir. And throughout this verse, we, we see Abraham, and he, he's doing a lot of like, yeah, buts, okay? Uh, teenagers, kids that are gone, parents, you understand this, this phrase, yeah, but. I hear it all the time. I heard it last night. My daughter, Reese, she wanted to go to Valley Fair. Last night, it was freezing, okay? I was like, Reese, it's going to be cold. You're, you're going to get there, and you're going to want to come right home. First thing I heard, yeah, but. Yeah, but I'll wear a coat, and it'll be fine, Dad. Um, Dad, I want to go out to eat. Um, I want to go, can we go out to eat? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, like we can't go out to eat again. We went out to eat uh, a couple days ago. And, then, and yeah, but, come on, Dad. We're hungry, okay? Um, we have Abraham here saying, yeah, but. And he says, see this, God's like, you're going to be great, Abraham. You're going to be awesome. And Abraham says, yeah, but. I don't have a son. How am I going to be great without a son? And God says to him, you will have a son. As a matter of fact, your heirs will be as many as the stars in the sky. I want to remind you, I've gotten you this far, Abraham, Abram. You will possess this land that I give you. And in that moment, Abram did believe. And God counted his faith as righteousness. But then, he, he went again and did another, yeah, but. He said, yeah, but how will I know for sure? How will I know for sure that you're going to give me this land? Um, and then I can just imagine God in that moment just like sighing like a, lo a, like a loving parent, just going, oh, Abraham, watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak your language. So he tells Abraham to get some animals and to sacrifice this an these animals. And then Abraham takes these animals and he cuts them in half, okay? And he puts uh, each half of the animals on both sides. This is just like a bloody mess, okay? In the words of like a junior high girl, ew, gross, okay? And he does this, he does this, and, and the history with this is, is anytime anybody had an agreement, right, a contract that they wanted to make with somebody in ancient times, what they would do is they would cut these carcasses in half, and they would together walk through these carcasses. And what it was, was, was a reminder that if you break this agreement, if you break this contract, it's going to be ill. It's going to be as gross as this bloody, bloody mess, and so what we have God doing in this moment, he's taking this ancient practice of agreement, of covenant, and he's, he's speaking Abraham's language. Aren't you glad that God still speaks our language today? That he's super relevant. I, I, I was on a mission trip this summer uh, with, with this church, actually, and uh, St. Peter Church. We went together out to Ohio. We were working on homes of people. Uh, we each got our own home. I had five teenagers that I was going to work with. I worked on this home. It was a house that was dilapidated. It was going to fall down. It was built before the 1900s. I mean, this thing was old. And we were painting this white house black, okay? 
that wasn't going to stand much longer. And I'm sitting here painting this thing black going, oh gosh, this, is, this thing's going to fall down pretty soon. What's the use? Why are we even doing this? And as you know, if you've ever painted a house before, like, like all you have to do is like have conversation with people and talk about, talk about things. So I was at lunch with these five teenagers, right? And um, we were talking about our favorite movies of all time. And my favorite movie of all time still is today. Maybe you've heard of it before. It's a little movie called Back to the Future. Any, any Back to the Future fans out there? Yeah. Marty McFly, okay? Biff, yeah, okay. Lorraine, anyway. So we're talking about Back to the Future. The kids, kind of, they knew what it was. They had seen it or whatever before. And then uh, lunch was over, and we went back to work. I climbed up the ladder. I painted for literally five minutes after lunch. All of a sudden, one of these teenagers walks up to me and says, Josh, come here, I want to show you something. I won't go down the ladder. And he puts right in front of my face the DeLorean from Back to the Future, okay? And I looked at it look, like, like I saw a ghost because I was like, just 10 minutes ago, we were talking about this. I'm like, what does it mean, okay? <laughs> All right? And, you know, it could have been a coincidence, right? It could have been a coincidence. Wow, you know, like he found it on the ground. It was covered with dirt. But then I thought about it a little bit in that moment, and I was like, wait a minute. I was thinking about back when I was trying to decide where to send our kids on our mission trip. And I decided there's a lot of places we could have gone. I decided to go to this place in Ohio. And then, then I, I thought about the, the, the house that I was assigned to. There were over 60 houses that we were assigned to. I guarantee there was only one DeLorean at one of those houses. And then I thought about what are the chances that 10 minutes before I was talking about Back to the Future. And it almost gives me shivers because it might be silly, it might be stupid, but I believe in that moment, God spoke my language. He knew my favorite movie was Back to the Future. He knew I was going to talk about it. And in that moment, all doubts about whether I was supposed to be there at that time with those kids, with that house, ministering to that family, were gone. I was in the right place at the right time, and I'm so glad that God chose to speak my language of Back to the Future. God speaks our language. He, he meets us. He desires connection. It's so clear. Then the scripture gets a bit dark for Abram. It's God's first yeah, but. He says, I'm going to give you all these promises, land, and all these people, but guess what? Your descendants are going to be slaves for 400 years in Egypt. Your descendants are going to go on this journey, but it's not always going to be easy. Now, when I go geocaching, it's not all rainbows and sprinkles, Okay. Sometimes it's hard. I find myself in pretty hairy situations sometimes. So check out this video of one of those times. How cool is that? I heard that, the, uh, I heard that this trail goes all the way through the whole island. Swallowed <coughs> <coughs> a bug. <coughs> oh my gosh. I just swallowed a bug. It gets worse. <laughs> Everybody, it is Joshua, and I'm out here in Iowa on a lake, and I'm out here, we're, we're going to an island geocache. I have my cousin Andrew with, say hi, Andrew. Hey. And we're out here on a kayak. There's a lot of uh, boats out here. It's a great time, beautiful day, probably almost 90 degrees, and uh, there's an island. There's a geocache there that hasn't been found in over a year, and uh, we're gonna go find it. All right, we're officially on the island. There's a nice trail here. So the rumor is, 
is that there used to be a hotel on this island, and in 1870, it actually burned down. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> We're gonna come out with poison ivy, poison oak. Check this out, guys. Now, this is what you call bushwhacking. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh, this is so bad. <laughs> oh. If we find this, we're gonna be awesome. <sighs> Hint is, under a slab of cement near a hole in the ground. Slab of cement, hole in the ground. Look at these, look at these bricks. These bricks are from the hotel. That's an old brick right there. Been looking for 10 minutes. There are so many mosquitoes on this island. So many, I can't find it. It's supposed to be under a slab of cement. Um, I've got bug spray on. My cousin Andrew, he had to leave. He didn't put bug spray on, and I can't find it. And when a cache hasn't been found for a year on the island, man, who knows if it was washed away. You guys, I'm in some kind of basement of the hotel. I found some of the ruins. And, uh, but I've been out here for a while. I'm getting eaten up like crazy, but this would be an excellent spot for the geocache. It's under there. Let's see. Oh, gosh. Darn it, is that it? Ah, oh, nope. You guys, you guys, I'm so glad I didn't give up. I probably look like a wreck. Man, this is like in the Amazon jungle. I've been out here for probably about 30, 40 minutes and uh, expanded my search and sure enough guys, look at this. I found the geocache. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Oh, that was tough. I look like a wreck. Woo! Mosquito heaven. You gotta sign the sucker. Woo! Oh. oh! I gotta get out of here. Oh! I'm crazy! Now I gotta get back to my kayak. Alright guys, that was insane! Insane bugs! Insane heat, but I found the cash and I found my cousin. Yeah, thanks for coming along on this journey with us. If you're not a subscriber, make sure you click that subscribe button so you can see more of our geocaching adventures. See you next time. Thanks for watching. All right. So you might ask yourself, why in the world would you put yourself through that? Uh, the minute you may be thinking, the minute those bugs attacked, you would have been out of there like my cousin, who like bolted as soon as those bugs attacked. But the reason I persisted it because, was because the difficult journey was worth it. It was worth the reward. And you know what? We know this, like following Jesus, even if you don't follow Jesus, life, life is hard. And, and sometimes following Jesus, it comes, comes with a cost. And for me, yes, the reward was finding the geocache. But again, the adventure of finding it, I'll never forget that moment, was worth, worth it. Just the finding it was the reward in itself. The adventure of this walk with Jesus is an award, reward in itself. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can be a little down in the dumps. We don't enjoy the journey. We don't see the journey itself as a gift. And some, sometimes Christians, they have this thing, it's called evacuation theology. The idea is just do everything you can do just to make sure that you avoid hell, right? Check the right box, say the right prayer, and then wait until you pass on from this life and you enter heaven. 
But I want to say to you that we are on the adventure right now, and eternity doesn't start when we die, but it starts now. It's happening now. Through Christ, we are spiritual heirs of Abraham. We are part of that, those stars. We are part of the answer to the world to bring heaven, heaven to earth. As Pastor Brad said uh, about creation, we are co-creators. We are ambassadors to bring the kingdom to this world through our actions. Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, it was this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. You and I, we are called to bring, be heaven bringers, to bring heaven to earth. And what does that look like? It looks like this. It looks like deciding to run a marathon or half marathon because people don't have clean water. It looks like this week in this building, the Dakota Meadows came over here and had their courage retreat. And heaven looks like kids getting up and saying, I'm going to start treating my classmates better. Or, or kids getting up saying, hey, I'm going to stand up for people that are being made fun of. It looks like, I don't know, picking up garbage at a park, making this world look better. It looks like encouraging, encouraging a coworker. This is us bringing heaven to earth, forgiving somebody that's hurt you. This is the adventure. And we, we, we can't despise the adventure. We can't just wait, wait until, until we're gone and then we wait for our reward. The reward right now is a part of the adventure. I'm going to close with this scripture. Jesus in Matthew, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. When I go geocaching, I don't like the wide path. It's boring. It's, it's just straight. I like going on the narrow path with the twists and the turns and the hills and the adventure. I don't like the wide path. Everybody else takes the wide path. We're called to be different. Christians, Christians and following Jesus is supposed to be far from boring. We're in the middle of this great adventure of bringing heaven to earth. This is the kingdom. And maybe some of us sometimes want to give up, but the treasure is worth it. Maybe some of you are in this room right now and you're like, you're new to this God thing and your perception of God and church is boring, dull, irrelevant. And if that's you, I want to apologize. Whoever has given you this idea because it is far from that. And my prayer for you is that you seek out this treasure, this treasure, this great reward that is God and all that he has to offer offer you. And maybe you've been a Christian a long time. You're sitting here and like your walk with God has gotten a little bit stale. And maybe today you need to hear that you are a heaven bringer and that you can do something and have action and you're a co-creator to bring great things to this world every single day. My boss of Youth Frontiers, the man named Joe Cavanaugh, and I was talking to him this week and he was talking about what he says to his daughter Every day he sends her off to school. And right before he drops off his daughter from school, he says this. It's very simple. Today, make this world a better place. Make this world a better place. And it's so simple, but that is the charge that Jesus has given us. And in his words even, in the Lord's Prayer. And let's close with this as we speak the Lord's Prayer in these truthful words. Join me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen.